Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Merry Christmas, Bob. Merry Christmas, Jimbo. We're like just moments away from Christmas happening, aren't we? Just a couple of days. If we are, it's Christmas Adam, right? It's the day before yeah. Christmas Eve. I was wondering, does that make the day after Christmas Christmas Cain? <laughs> no. That's the Christmas cast out of the garden. That's like we just were done, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, Christmas cane and and murder at Christmas, I saw, <laughs> I, saw I saw on Facebook that you you were contemplating the significance of a certain movie that is of great controversy every year, bringing up of if it's actually a Christmas movie or not. The illustrious Die Hard. Yeah. So, you know, we at the Bigford household, we've been watching a few of those Hallmark shows, you know, the Christmas Hallmark movies where, you know, everybody, they're, they're all the same. Somebody's leaving the big city. They're going to the small town. They're rethinking their priorities, et cetera. And it was interesting, you know, because I've kind of liked to watch those occasionally just because they're so predictable and I make fun of them and they're cheesy, but they always, the story always ends out perfect. So we were rolling around some channels the other day and Barb's like, I don't want to watch one of those. I want to watch something else. And I'm like, well, you know, everybody's talking about Die Hard. Why don't we watch Die Hard? Because people are debating whether it's a Christmas movie or not. And so it actually came out when we were, um, when did it come out? Like in 85 or 88? I think 88 is when it came out. Were you even born then, Jimbo? Were you alive? I, I was, yes. I was born in 82. Okay. Okay, so you were just, you were but a five-year-old or so, like a six-year-old. So you probably, did your parents allow you to watch Die Hard? I don't know if you saw it back then, probably. When it came out, when it came out on HBO, I did watch it as a kid. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so we dialed up Die Hard, and uh, everybody talks about the fact that it's a Christmas movie. And there are a few Christmas elements in there. And so... We watched it and uh, we laughed about how cheesy it was. Uh, but you know, all in all, it was kind of a fun, kind of a fun action show. So, what is what is your what is your take? Did you and Barb decide where you stand on the great controversy? I think it's Christmas ish. I don't know if I would say it's completely a Christmas movie, but it's it's a movie that is set during a office Christmas party, and so occasionally you get some. Christmas elements. And I think one of the first scenes that, you know, kind of tries to cement Die Hard as a Christmas movie is when he sends the guy down the elevator, the guy that he's the first to kill, the first terrorist that's been killed. And I'm sorry, if I'm revealing plots, you you just got to get with the time. You should have watched the movie like decades ago, right? Yeah, I think so, once a movie is this old, spoiler alerts no longer apply. Okay. So just erase all the last seconds there. So he offs the guy, and then what does he write on the sweatshirt? Like, uh, I ha- I have a machine gun too now, ho ho ho, or Merry Christmas or something yes. like that. Sends the guy with the Christmas hat on down the elevator, rolls out, people scream. That's the first. Aside from they're having a Christmas party at the end of the workday, that's kind of the next 
element of Christmas that's brought in. Not that you would kill somebody and then write that on a sweatshirt for Christmas, but right. Well, but there's also the uh, the bad guy does a uh, altered retelling of the night before Christmas over okay. the, over the walkie talkie. So here here's here's my take that it's as much a Christmas movie as any Hallmark Christmas movie you've ever seen. And for the exact same reasons. If you think about the formula of a Hallmark Christmas movie, right? There's there's some lady who's with the wrong guy. And by the end of the movie, she ends up with the right guy. There are crazy hijinks that happen at a Christmas party. There's something to do with some business and some guy who's all about greed. And my argument is if you really take an honest look at it, Bob, Die Hard is essentially the very first Hallmark Christmas movie. (laughs) That is a hot sports opinion. (laughs) I kind of like it, though. There's not as much killing and bloodshed in the Hallmark movies, though. They they came much softer, but this is like an action version. This is a dude version of a Hallmark Christmas movie plot. So you've got a lady who's in business. She's kind of with some guy, but he's the wrong guy. And the right guy shows up kind of in a stands out from the crowd, different from everybody else. There is evil corporation greed involved, which usually Hallmark Christmas movies kind of call that out a little bit somehow, which is a little bit ironic that Hallmark's calling out corporate companies. (laughs) But at the end, she ends up with the with the right person. And there's certainly some hijinks at a Christmas party during the whole thing. My take is that if you consider Hallmark movies to be Christmas movies, then this is just as much a Christmas movie as any Hallmark movie you've ever seen. Well, there you go. And I I think maybe Hallmark owes a little credit then to the writers of Die Hard. I I just remember thinking through all the the first scenes of Die Hard, is this guy going to go through the whole movie not wearing shoes? (laughs) <laughs> and pretty much he does, right? Oh, yeah. Right, pretty much he does. Oh, yeah. You know, for me, it just doesn't feel like Christmas until I see Hans Gruber thrown off the Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. <laughs> yes, I've seen a lot of people put that on Facebook. Merry Christmas as Hans Gruber is is uh, falling off of the, the tower there. And, hey, that guy has been a bad guy in, like, every movie he's ever been in. I don't know what that guy's name is, but Barb goes, oh, it's that guy. He's got to be the bad guy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. just get typecast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, we got to actually move on to something uh, much more significant as we get ready for Christmas Day and we come out of the the absolute insanity and chaos and darkness and complicatedness of 2020, we come to an end focused where we should be focused on the Lord and on his birth, on his coming, his incarnation, the nativity, the Christmas story, the advent. What is it that we can see in that story, that great moment in history that can give us hope and peace as we head into 2021? That's a good point, Jimbo. I I think most of the Christmas series services that I've listened to and the one we've been preaching at our church deals with the fact that this Christmas is different from every other Christmas in, in the sense that we're experiencing a global pandemic. Our normal patterns of relationship have been upended 
And there's just a great sense of uneasiness, right? And so if you think about the nativity story, what, what does it start off with? An unplanned, unexpected pregnancy, mm-hmm. all right? And Mary, here's the announcement. She's going to have a child, and she weighs all of that, and at the end says, well, let it be to me, as you've, you have said. And so she accepts the, her role in the redemptive story. And then, then when we find out about Joseph's becoming aware of the story, word gets back to Joseph that Mary's pregnant, and he hears that, and you know he's trying to devise a, a plan. What do I do with this, right? So immediately when the, the story starts about Jesus' entrance into the world, it begins with this just sense of uneasiness and crisis among Mary and Joseph. They're betrothed. They're engaged. They've not been, they've not yet been together. And so all of this happens and their whole worlds just explode and, and they're trying to figure it out, which reminds me of exactly what people are experiencing now in, mm-hmm. in the season that we find ourselves in. Yeah, this past Sunday, our family attended Refuge Church <clears throat> here in Jacksonville, and um, Pastor Pastor Josh Glimpf did a really great job talking about exactly that. And so his kind of main idea sentence talking about that was, it often seems the darkest, the most chaotic, and the most complicated right before Jesus shows up. And he talked about all of that that you were just talking about, what it must have been like to have a teenage pregnancy, to explain to your fiance, this is actually from the Lord, to explain to your parents, all the all the gossip, all the things that we know would, would come with all of that, the difficulty of census travel with a very pregnant fiance and all the things that are involved in that. And then as he was going through his sermon, Pastor Josh did a great job with that idea of it often seems the darkest, the most chaotic, the most complicated right before Jesus shows up. And he pointed out that when Jesus shows up, he brings light to the darkness, order to the chaos, and understanding to the complicated. I really appreciated how he broke that down in an idea and applied that so well to as as we're experiencing 2020 and all the things, and we experience the darkness and the chaos and the complications that in that same way, Jesus showing up in our life brings light to that darkness and brings order to all the chaos and understanding to the complicated. As we look at this story of how how Jesus entered a politically tumultuous, crazy, chaotic, complicated season of history in, in, in a unique way, and not in the way that any of us would have planned or thought it should happen. And it became one of the greatest moments in all of history. And we don't know what the Lord's doing exactly right now, but we do know that we can trust him. And we do know that he does bring light to the darkness in order to the chaos and understanding to the complicated. I think the challenge for us, and this is something that for a long time, I, I disconnected with the story uh, about Jesus birth into the world, the, the circumstances, is Mary and Joseph would have had some understanding and expectation regarding the Messiah and his birth, right? Jewish culture, Joseph is from the line of Jesse. He's the relative of Jesse, of the family of David. And so 
had they been paying attention in uh, synagogue class, right, they would have known Isaiah says that the Messiah will be born of a virgin, right? And he will also be of the line of David, right? And so this event happens to them, right? And they apparently miss it for a, a season or are surprised by it. So particularly Joseph is kind of surprised by it. Um, Mary, obviously, before she is, before Jesus is, is conceived in her by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's explained to her. So she's like, okay, right, this is going to happen. But Joseph hears about it and he misses it, right? And the angel has to come in and share with him in a dream that this is God's doing and that he is to take Mary and they are to name Jesus because he's going to save his people from sin. So, so the prophetic has already occurred and they already have grown up in that. I'm sure they talked about it with their family as they grew up, as they they were discipled into their faith, but they missed it in the midst of their chaos. And I think for, for me, what it shows me about myself, and I would say also about our folks in our church, and probably folks worldwide, nationwide, is when the chaos hits, we forget the promises of God, Right? And one of the reasons we forget the promises of God is we've constructed a world that for us in our minds is supposed to be hassle and problem free and suffering free. And that's not what we're promised. Right. And so when we step into a, a difficult situation or a time of suffering and a time of uh, struggle, and I think I don't want to diminish any of the, the pain of this global pandemic because some of our folks have lost loved ones. Yeah. Right. And that it's been very challenging for them. Others of us, a good number of us, probably the majority of us have just experienced an upending of our normal routines in our lives. So it's suffering, but it's not suffering on the category of some of our, our brothers and sisters throughout history have experienced suffering. Certainly not the Christians in Nigeria or, or certain places where folks are, are, losing their lives, right? Because of their, their following Jesus in China, et cetera. So in our culture, we have pushed back on this idea of suffering and this struggle. But I, I do think that our frustration and our distress as a people, and should I say as Christian people in this culture, is the perfect time for us to really understand who Jesus is in a more significant way as all those kind of those idols and all those things are being stripped away from us and churches as they're not able to do what they had done in the past with Christmas Eve services, et cetera. It's a time for us to really focus on, on the fact that Christ came into the world to bring light to the darkness and peace to those who needed it, but ultimately salvation to those who are lost. Absolutely. And I think as we, go in from Christmas Adam to Christmas Eve to Christmas Day, don't don't lose sight of the fact that the Lord is in control and that there will always, always be something or someone trying to steal your peace that belongs to you as a child of God, that we can have peace that surpasses all understanding regardless of what's going on around us because our peace is not found on our circumstances but on our Savior. And... The fact that our God is not some absent-minded landlord, some genius watchmaker that just designed the world and left it to be, 
but that he tabernacled among us, that he came to be with us, that walked with this earth, that the good news of the gospel is that even though we are sinners, that while we are still sinners, God demonstrates his love to us by dying for us, redeeming us, and providing a way for us to get in closer relationship to the creator of the universe, that he provides that way. And that one of the biggest steps in that whole story is that he came to this earth and that that was a great act of grace and mercy that he did that in the way that he did, because God's presence is only good news for the redeemed. God's presence for those who are not under his mercy and grace means wrath, but the he provides a way for us to experience that grace and mercy. And part of that story is the advent of his son. And so focus on that. Next week, we'll be back with six things to focus on as you go into 2021. Don't forget to enter in for a chance to win one of our hats. We've already given away two, and we've got one more to give away in a couple of weeks as we get started in January. Second week of January, we'll be giving away another one. And so I'd encourage you to look at the link in the show notes and enter in to win one of those. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.